with me in 2 Timothy. And so, though we don't have a main passage of Scripture, I want you to stand with me, and we'll we'll read this one together, okay, standing up. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Now, Timothy, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy, okay? And he says here to Timothy in verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, meaning this is your conviction, this is what you know to be the truth, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. The Bible, the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then Paul does something amazing here. So Paul is reminding Timothy, in your life, Timothy, you need to focus on the Holy Scriptures from your your infancy. Your mother and your grandmother poured these things into your heart and life. From, from the day you didn't even understand these things. They were pouring it into you. You need to return to those. You need to, to base your life on these things for they're wise to bring salvation into your life. And then he says, here's why. Verse 16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Lord, we ask that you would give us an understanding of your word today and help us apply these basic but powerful biblical principles to our lives. And I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. So when I say we need to get back to the Bible... I go to this passage of Scripture as Paul is telling Timothy, the young pastor of the church at Ephesus, here's what you need in your life, Timothy. Here's what you need to build your ministry on, Timothy. Here's what you need to build your life on, young man. It's the Word of God. It's the Holy Scriptures from from your infancy. Some of you have been brought up in this church. Some of you have been brought up all your life in church, but some of you who are here today, it's this church. From infancy, you've been taught the Holy Word of God. I'm thinking right now, and I'm not trying to point them out, but it's just something that, that, that came to my mind. You know, I remember not long after Mackenzie Wooten was born. Where's Mackenzie at? There she is over there. She's like, uh-oh, I made the sermon. Is that good or bad? <laughs> I remember when Mackenzie, not long after she was born, she was in the hospital, and I believe she had to have surgery, right, Debbie? She had a pretty serious situation, and, and I had just gotten to know Larry just a little bit, and his uncle called me and told me about Mackenzie being in the hospital and said, could you go visit them? And I said, absolutely, and I, I think I had seen Debbie before, but it was the first time I'd ever talked to her, and that I can remember, and, and I remember little Mackenzie, and it wasn't long after that, you know, that, that, that the family got committed here to church, and so I'm thinking of someone like Mackenzie, ever since she's been little, she's grown up in this church. 
and in her home as an infant she's been taught the word of god does she have a perfect home no do i my kids grew up in a perfect home please don't ask them they'll tell you it's not very perfect okay far from it but We've tried to live out the Word of God, and Ian, I'm thinking of someone like Mackenzie who grew up in this church. From the time she was an infant, she's been taught God's Word in her home, in this church, and so forth and so on. That's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying about Timothy, Timothy, you have known God's Word. The Word of God has been the center of everything that your life has been about, that your family's life has been about, that your church has been about. Everything about it has come from the Holy Scriptures, and they make you wise. And so it would behoove us, I'm going to use a teacher word here, it would be important for you and me to realize the centrality of the Scriptures in our lives as Christians. Y'all listen, I believe we need to get back to the Bible. We need to get back to what the Bible teaches. We need to get back to living our lives in such a way that our lives model what the Bible teaches. We need to try. I know we're not going to always live up to it. I know that there are going to be times that we're going to fail. I know when the Bible says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, that there are going to be times that you're going to go to bed mad. You shouldn't, but I know that happens in the lives of imperfect people and even Christians who are still growing because we're tempted and the enemy comes after us. I get that but we should be growing and and our idea should be i know that what i've done is wrong and i don't want to keep doing that i want to change i want to do what the bible says i want to live out my life the way the bible says i should live it and so if we're going to change our lives in 2019 in any significant way and we're going to grow in the way that we ought to grow we need to come back to bible living what does the bible say what does it say about my relationships what does it say about my finances what does it say about, you know, changing jobs and how I should do this? What does it say about, you know, breaking off this friendship or not? Is this, is this the right time? What does the Bible say about, about who I should marry? What kind of person I should marry? What does the Bible say about in my marriage, about forgiveness, about pride, about long-suffering, I mean, all these things, the Bible has the answer for life, for death and for life and for everything. You know, it's amazing how at death we always want the Bible. But I'm telling you something, folks, the Bible is not just for dying, it's for living. It's for living. It's the living Word of God, the Bible says. And I want to get back to the Bible. I brought a few props up here, and they're not really props, they're they're Bibles. We have no excuse. You know that? We have none. I, I didn't bring all the Bibles that I have. I brought the ones that I could carry in one trip up here from my office. Okay? But we, we've got all these, all right? So let me just show you. There's no excuse for me not to study the Word of God and to read it. I'm not talking about for my job. I'm talking about for my life. Okay? So here I've got the Hebrew-Greek Key Study Bible. And it's based on the Strong's Concordance. So if I'm reading the Bible, like in, in, in um, this passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy, okay? Um, <clears throat> let me get to it here. I didn't even mark it because I didn't know I was going to do it like this. But So we go to 2 Timothy here, chapter 3. Isn't it amazing the Bible you use all the time? You can go right to it, the one you don't. 
There he goes. Second Timothy chapter three, verse sixteen, where it says, "All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching." So the word teaching is underlined here in this Bible, and it's got a number, thirteen nineteen. And if I go and look up that number here in the back, thirteen nineteen, it will give me the Greek word for the word teaching and tell me what it's all about and what the context is and what the meaning is. So very simple. So I've got this kind of Bible. I've got this Bible here. I've got the MacArthur Study Bible. And so this one's in the New King James Version. And so it's got all these notes. It's got all this information about key points throughout all of the Scripture. It's got stuff in the beginning. It's got stuff in the back. It tells me about the maps. It gives me notes about everything. On and on. No excuse. One of the first big study Bibles ever got was the Ryrie Study Bible. Charles Ryrie was a theologian, and he was a member of First Baptist Church of Dallas where I went to school. And so I got his Bible, and man, he's got theological things. He's got the harmony of the Gospels, and I got the Bible right here. Look here. I got this NIV Zondervan uh, Bible. I cannot believe that at one time in my life I could read this print and font. It is so small. I couldn't even see this with a magnifying glass now. But I used, to, I, I used to love this Bible. I used to bring it with me in hospitals. And I used to hunt with it. And, hey, I got an application for church membership in this Bible. Anybody want to join? Anyway, I, I don't know why I got that in there, but I got that. This is the first Bible I ever owned. It's a bonded leather Bible. Don't buy bonded leather because this is what happens to it if you use it. It tears up. I had to tape it several times, but I've got notes all in it. I've got it marked up. This is the first Bible I ever owned. Penny gave it to me as a gift, and it's the open Bible. It was a little study Bible. Got it. I got what I call my preaching Bibles. See how thin that is? You know, it's not heavy. Doesn't hurt your arm to bring it up and preach with it and flail it around and do all of that stuff. But again, I had to change because I can't, can't read the print anymore. Um, I've got this study Bible. I can't remember what study Bible this one is. This used to be my preaching Bible. Uh, it, oh, it's a Schofield study Bible. So when I became pastor of this church, I bought me a new Bible. And this is the Bible that I used for years when I first became a pastor of this church. So I've got, got all these Bibles. Man, we're living, in, we're living in the greatest times in the world. I got me a hunting Bible. It's an outdoorsman Bible. The deer can't even see this thing, man. If you want it, I don't even bring a Bible with me in, in a book form anymore because I got it all on my phone now. But it's got all kinds of stuff about God's sovereignty on and on and on. Just all kinds of stuff in this Bible. The reason I brought all this up here was to show you that there is no excuse for us in the modern times that we live in not to study God's Word. We have it in all forms, in different kinds of translations. We have study Bibles that can help us. We've got all this. We've got it all right here. If you want and you're all into the, into the digital and the electronic, you've got it all right here on a phone. You've got everything you want. You've got all your Bible studies. You've got your daily devotions. You've got it all. And the point that I'm making is that it's one thing to have Bibles. It's another thing to read it and then to live it and to do it and to digest it, to study it, 
and to grow in it. And y'all, I think what's happening is that the average Christian is biblically illiterate. We no longer know what the Bible says anymore about life and about what we should do. And you have a responsibility to feed yourself. Look, if all you're ever doing is eating at the big table when the JBC family meets once a week, you're going to be malnourished. What are you going to do on Tuesday and Wednesday when we're not, when we, you know, during the day? What, what are you going to do on Thursday and Friday and Saturday? Do you, you know, if you only eat once or twice a week, are you going to be healthy? Physically, no. You've got to eat, right? And when you move away from mama's house, you better learn how to cook. Or you better know where to go get something, but you're still going to have to feed yourself. Well, in the same way, the Word of God, we need to study God's Word and know it and love it. And it should mean something to you. You say, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't get a whole lot out of it. Let me just say this to you. When I first got saved, and it's still this way to this day, but, but it was such a contrast for me. Prior to my salvation, I didn't, I, I didn't want to read a Bible. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't understand it. John 3.16 was always... Back in the day, Monday Night Football, somebody with a big yellow poster would put it up behind the, uh, the goal post when somebody was kicking a field goal. And said, John 3.16, this is back in the late 70s, early 80s. And so I was asking people, what does that mean? And somebody said, that's a verse from the Bible. And I'm like, well, where? And I didn't have a Bible. So somebody finally brought a Bible around, and we turned to John 3.16. We read it. It meant nothing to me. I thought it would un, like, unlock some nuclear code or something, you know. John 3.16 meant nothing to me. But then when God began to deal with my heart and I got saved, all of a sudden I opened the Scripture and it meant everything to me. And the Word of God became life to my soul. It became, it became food to my susten- uh, and sustenance to my living every day. And it's still that way. So maybe the reason you don't love the Word of God is there's something missing in your heart. Because I believe when you become a child of God, you want to know Him. Now, is there days that I don't want to go to God's Word? I'll tell you when I don't want to go to God's Word is when I'm in rebellion. I, don't want, I, I know what it says, and I don't want to go to it. But in general... You want God to do something in your life this year? Start back with the Bible. Start reading it every day. Listen, you don't have to do what everybody else does. Do what you can do. For you, you might enjoy going to bed at night and reading five chapters out of the Bible. For me, I read three verses and I'm out. Because when I get in bed, it's about sleeping. So for me, I have to read more in the morning. You find when it works for you. And if it's just reading a verse and then contemplating that verse and and getting some information about that verse through a Bible study or through a devotion, then do that. But I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to want more than that as time goes on. And so we have to get back to the Bible. Churches need to get back to the Bible. The people within the church for their personal lives need to get back to the Bible. 
Because when you get back to the Bible, you start seeing it God's way. Number two, changing your life for 2019. How do we do it? Number two, we have to get back to prayer for our power. Prayer for our power. All right, look with me in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. And pray in the Spirit <laughs> on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now, let me just stop there. We are in the context of putting on the whole armor of God. And so he says all this stuff about putting the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, on and on and on, all these these, all this armor that you need spiritually. And then he ends it with this. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And then Paul says, pray also for me. That whenever I speak, words may be given to me or given me so that I will fearlessly or boldly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So Paul is saying prayer is important. And it's important to put on the armor of God. It's important to know the Word of God. It's important to be saved and have the helmet of salvation. Put on the breastplate of righteousness to have a good testimony and to live right. It's important to have the shield of faith. To be able to trust God through a lot of circumstances. But let me tell you something. Your power comes from your dependence and communication with God in prayer. That's what prayer is. Listen, we have gotten to a point in life where we think that prayer is only for the most holy of all people. And we think that it's for a monk or some And we think prayer is some kind of mystical thing that only certain people can do. No. Y'all, prayer is communication with God. Prayer is two-way. Prayer is talking to God and listening to God. Praying always is to always be in an attitude of prayer, in a mindset of prayer, to always be praying. You can pray going down the road in your car. Just keep your eyes open, okay? You can. It's not the posture of your body. You can be praying. You can be praying in the midst of difficulty. It doesn't matter where you are. You can be praying. Praying always. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where maybe it was a confrontational situation and somehow you got out of there without going to jail? Because it was a confrontational situation that that you needed something to help you get through it and you found yourself, you didn't even know you were doing it, but you were asking God for wisdom and strength To overcome that your mind would do the right thing and to overcome what your emotions were telling you. You've ever been in a situation like that? I have. And I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what got me through it. It was calling on God. God, I need your help. God, I need to take a step back. God, I need to listen to you. I need to do what you say. What are you telling me to do? You don't realize that you're praying, but you are. Always praying. We have to get back to the power 
of prayer in our lives. That's where our power comes from. It's not, it's not what we can do. Because what we can do, we get the results of what we can, what we can get through our own ability. When we trust God, we get supernatural results. We need to come back to prayer. <clears throat> and I think, and I take responsibility for this as pastor, I think we need to do more corporate praying as a church, not just crisis praying, but more praying together for general things. God, may you pour out your blessings on the families of this church. God, I pray for this person specifically. God, I pray for that person specifically. Listen, <clears throat> if you're on the Facebook group or what have you, and somebody puts a prayer request there, please don't type praying and not pray. Stop right there and pray. Now, I haven't been on Facebook for a month and a half or so. My life is just less stressful. For me, Facebook's become a stress-filled thing, and so I just get away from it. But when I, when I would be on that and somebody would ask for prayer, I would immediately, wherever I was at, before I typed in anything, I would pray. I would just say, God, you know their circumstance. I pray for them. Give them strength, whatever. And then I'll, text, I'll put on there, hey, just pray for you or praying right now. God hears our prayer. We don't have to be in a church. We don't have to be just in our bedroom on our knees. You can be in the office in a cubicle somewhere and have to deal with it. You can be driving a truck and, 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 and give it to God. You can be in a hospital room. It doesn't matter. We've got to get back to where our power comes from. And I'll give you the third one here. Changing your life for 2019. Here it is. I'm going to explain it to you. We have to get back to living by faith, i.e. trusting God, and give up control on our lives. We talked a little bit about this in Sunday school today. We have to get back to living by faith. Too many of us are control freaks. Too many of us are. Now, I know there's a fine line between responsibility and doing what we're supposed to do and crossing that line and being um, a micromanager of everybody else's business, crossing that line and wanting to control everything in our lives. I, I know a person that wants to take responsibility for his or her life will tend to over-complicate um, things. They will tend to sometimes maybe go in the God's area trying to fix things. And all of us in some way or another, in our own world, in our own lives, we like to control things because when we control it, we know what the results are and there are no surprises. But yet that's not reality. Even when you think you're controlling something, surprises come. They do. It's amazing how I've experienced this in the last year of my life as, as a pastor. Now you would think after 30 plus years as a pastor that I would have this area of my life as a pastor mastered. But I don't. And there are times that situations come up in church life that I can't fix, that I can't take care of, we can't make it all better, we, we just, we, we, 
it seems complicated. It seems like the devil's in control of it. I can't seem to, to get, get a handle on it. And, and then I get frustrated and wonder why this thing isn't working out. And yet I'm reminded by spiritual people in my life, my wife, our secretary, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, Many times remind me when I talk to them about this situation, and God uses them to say, Pastor, listen, you've done what you can do. Now you've got to trust God. And I'm like, amazing. It's amazing what, what kind of advice I just got. It's biblical. It's right. It's true. I've done my part. Now I need to quit playing God and trust Him to take care of that circumstance situation. Well, it's the same thing in our personal lives. We have situations that come up and we can only do what we can do. We can't control it all. And we shouldn't try to control it all. We have got to grow. And if we're going to have a better life, a stronger life in 2019, we've got to give up control of parts of our life that we were never intended to have to begin with. And we've got to give it to God. We have to. Are your kids grown? Are you still trying to control their every move? It's not your place. It's not my place. Now, do they live under your roof? Ah, now we're talking a little different circumstances. But you know what I'm talking about. Look at what the Scripture says here. Hebrews 11.6. This is just a straight-up Scripture. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's straight-up, meaning, meaning that... that they're all straight up, but what I'm getting at is it just some of them just, just you don't have to study deep, and you can study this deeply, but it's very forthright. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Without faith, it is impossible please God. There are going to be parts of our life that God will orchestrate in such a way that we, there's only one way to successfully navigate that part of our life. And it's to take our hands off and to trust Him. And that's it. We've done what we can do. Now it's God's place. You've been in a relationship in a situation where you've done all you can do, right? You've offered forgiveness. You've admitted where you're wrong. You've asked for forgiveness. You've done everything you can do. And the other person doesn't want to make it right. You know what? You've done what you can do. You're going to have to trust God to work in that person's heart. You understand what I'm saying here? And that's part of our growth. Part of our growth in life as Christians is to turn loose and let God do it. Because when He does it, amazing things happen. Amazing things. Now look at this. You might wonder why I put this scripture in here. I'm glad you're wondering because I want to tell you why. Galatians 5, 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit. There's a book written years ago, I think it was by J.I. Packer, that said, titled, Keeping Step with the Spirit. We live in the Spirit, let us also keep step with the Spirit. We can get out of step with God's Spirit when we start trying to control everything in our lives. We've got to turn loose of some of this stuff, y'all. Some of the stuff we think that we've got to be in control of, we, we, 
We can't control it. And we just got to let God be God and watch Him do amazing things. Part of our sojourn here on this earth as Christians is learning how to trust God. Trust and see. Wait upon Him. We want it fixed and we want it fixed yesterday, right? But there are some things in God's spiritual economy, most things, God's going to fix it, but He's going to do it in His time. And He's going to show you that there's nothing you could do to fix it. Only God can do it. So there, we have to come to a place in life where we faith it. Not fake it, faith it. Faith. You know, there are things in the Bible that say that um, you need to fight certain things. Put on the whole armor of God. When you've done all to stand, stand there for, right? Don't turn your back. Stand with the armor of God. And employ the weapons of our warfare. That's what the Bible says. There's a fighting mentality you have to have. Stand. And when you've done all to stand, stand. That's what it says. You've got to have some courage and some fight in you. There's some things that require that. And there's some things in life that you have to flee from. You don't fight it. You don't faith it. You've got to run from it. Case in point, Joseph in the Old Testament, when Potiphar's wife wanted to seduce him, he took off, and when he took off, she grabbed his outer garment. That's all he had on, and he fled naked but he knew that he couldn't trust his own flesh and so boom he got out of there sexual temptation there's only one way to deal with it you have to run from it you don't stay around and fight it and by faith no you flee it so you fight some things some things you have to leave you can't be around it but yet there are some things we can't flee and we we're not supposed to fight it. We're to faith it. By faith in God, we trust God. And we watch Him and we wait on Him to do what He's going to do. You're off the hook. You're off the hook. I had a man years ago tell me something. And he meant it as an insult. But it was actually a compliment. And he came and sat in my office and he had some issues with with, with my style of leadership. And he said, and, 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 and I told him, I said, look, I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to grow, I should always be growing as a leader, and I should always be, be developing and changing, so I'm willing to do that. But what he told me, he said, well, the problem that I have with you is that there are some things that we do here that we look like we're flying by the seat of our pants. And I said, okay, give me an example. And he gave me an example of what it was. And when he did, I, in my flesh, said, I got him now. <laughs> but then I had to rebuke that and say, no, that's not, I'm not into getting, getting him. I'm into teaching something to him and letting him know that he's wrong for this and that he needs to change his way of thinking. And I told him, I said, brother, here's the difference between you and me. You want everything run like a business. And listen, 
There are certain aspects of church life when it comes to finances and things of that nature. Yes, addition, multiplication, subtraction, and all of that. You have to run it like an accountant. I got you. But the difference between a church and a business is this. A church is not around to make a profit. We're in to spend every dime of the budget that we have for God's glory in one way or another. And some of it might require saving. Yes, okay, you're going to have to save a little bit here to, for repairs, for a building, for this or that. I get that. But, but you're still using it for the ministry. But he didn't like when I would get up, Miss C, on a Sunday morning and say, God's told me I got the wrong message and here's what I need to preach. That's what he was saying. He goes, that's wrong. I said, oh, no, 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 buddy. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit before I listen to you. And what he was telling me was that he didn't like that God did things unexpectedly. And when we got down to it, that's, that's what he said to me. Years later, he apologized to me for that. Apologized to me at an outdoor baptism. And he said, I was wrong about that, Brother Corey. And I said, that's okay. I forgive you. I love you. I just want you to see it. That, that you got to give room for God to work. That was the problem. He didn't want to give room for God to work. And he wasn't trusting God. He wanted to be able to organize everything, know what was going to happen, when it was going to happen, how it was going to happen. And, and I said, God doesn't operate that way. God doesn't tell you all of his plans. Very seldom does he ever do. And where the Holy Spirit is working and moving, he's going to do things that are outside of the plans of men. A lot of times God will let us plan all we want and do the best that we can, and God will change it just to show us that he had a better plan in mind and that we weren't in step with him. Keep in step with the Spirit. You want to have a great life? You want to change your life in 2019? Do something simple. Start reading your Bible. Start praying. Start trusting God in these things in your life that drive you crazy and that worry you and cause you all this frustration in your heart. All right? You knew you couldn't come to church without one of three illustrations, right? What? Football. Football. Okay, I'm not going there. Hunting. Hunting, not going there. Fishing. Ah, I am going there. <coughs> Taking Miss Penny fishing this afternoon. Okay? Yeah. Is she there? Oh, she knows. <laughs> and for two days, I've been watching the weather. For two days, I've been watching the seas. For two days, I've been setting up because there's a particular place I want to take her. They call it Sea Bass Alley outside of Steenhatchee. And there are some rocks in 20 feet of water. And we tear up the sea bass. But they're real particular. Sometimes you, you can choose the one you want. I want that big one. You can see them 20 foot down. I want that one. I want that one. No, no, you can't have that. And you move it. And there are other times that you see all those fish and they won't bite. But I've been meticulously watching the seas and the weather. And it's been changing. And in my boat, it's got to be a certain, you know, anything above four or five mile an hour winds, that's not good for me in 20 foot of water. And so it changed last night. Man, I, I couldn't go to sleep. I was like, 
Okay, so do we go to Cedar Key? Do we go here? Do we go there? I have four or five different places. What kind, do I want to go this kind of fishing or that kind of fishing? And now, now I don't know if we can. Should, should we go here? Should we go there? And then one of our brothers from church texted me, David Holt. He sent me a picture of this big old redfish he caught. I was like, way to go, David. He goes, it's the only bite we got all day long. And he said, we fished all day. I said, well, Penny and I are going to Sea Bass Alley tomorrow. He said, well, went there, we didn't get a bite. I said, what about the river? You fishing river? Tried that, didn't get a bite. I said, what about uh, Nine Mile Bank in the flats? Went there, didn't get a bite. I'm like, doggone it. And I started worrying. I'm worrying on Saturday night about something that's going to happen Sunday afternoon that's not really all that important. And then I talked to Penny about it. And here's what she says. Baby, it doesn't matter. If we spend time together and we catch fish, that's great. If we spend time together and we don't catch fish, that's not great. And I'm thinking, I don't like, I don't look at it that way. If we spend time together and we don't catch fish, that's not a good time. If we spend time together and we catch fish, now we're talking. And I started worrying about all that and about where we should go and what we should do. And I'm trying to look at it right now while I'm talking to you, but it won't pull up. <laughs> so I'll give you an idea where we're going. I'm worrying about something I can't control. I can't control the seas or the weather. And it can say that it's one mile an hour wind and you get there and it's blowing 20. I've been in that before. And Penny looked at me and said, we're getting out of here now. (laughs) Soaking wet. She's freezing. And I went to have a good time with my wife, and I turned her into an icicle. But, yeah, you can worry about all these crazy things. They'll drive you nuts. But you can't control those things. You have to put it in the hands of God, and you've got to live your life. That's the way I want to live in 2019, trusting Him. I use a silly illustration about fishing, but I'm talking about real stuff in life too, big things, things that really matter. Look, she's not here, and I know we have the technology where she could look at this. But Penny and I have been concerned for Marcy for a while because she was lonely for a while. And I told her, I said, well, what about somebody at work? You, you, you find some good Christian man? She goes, no, not over there. Phew. And she was telling me some of what they did. I said, oh, stay far away from them. And then she meets somebody from work. And I went, oh, no, no, no. And then I met him, and I like him. And then I said, okay, let's talk about your walk with God, boy. And then he got baptized, got saved, and all of that. It's just been a tremendous deal. But we gave it to God, and God answered it. And God took care of it. Right? Just give it to God. Just trust Him, and He'll take care of it. And not only did God give me a potential new son-in-law, but a potential new son-in-law whose family has hunting land in Georgia, which was a requirement. (laughs) Told her, don't bring a young man here. There are several things I'm going to ask. Number one, where is he at with God? Number two, does he have hunting land? In that order. Number three, what kind of truck does he have? (laughs) 
Number four, how many guns does he have? <laughs> That's all I'm interested in. But anyway. No, but God takes care of all those things. And we t- that's what we told her. You serve him. God, if he chooses, will bring you a mate. If he doesn't, hey, we got people in our church. Been single for years. And they ha- they, they, they've learned how to walk with God in that. Trust him. 2019. Bring it on, baby. I'm going to do what God says. Let's stand together, okay? At least I'm going to (laughs) try. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your love and for wanting the best for us. Your word says you've come to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. Thank you for the blessings you give us. Help us to trust you. Help us to depend on you through prayer, to seek you for our power. God, help us to fall in love with your word and the truth of your word all over again, afresh and anew, as we go into another year of life. Thank you for each day because we know we're not promised another year. But we're grateful for the moment we have today. With our eyes closed and our heads bowed for just another moment, we're going to start our invitation music and I'm going to ask you to trust God and do what God says. If God's leading you to join our church, this will be your time. However God's leading you, you do what He says. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.